0: Hello, folks. Welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge. This is Fanbyte's weekly news show, rounding up the headlines and games, entertainment, and one handy podcast. I'm your host each and every week. I'm John Warren, head of Fanbyte Media. I hope everyone has had a wonderful week. I hope everyone has a wonderful week ahead of them. Uh, I've got a really fabulous show for you. Um, We're going to have a roundtable. Uh, with Funke Joseph and my producer Paul Tamayo about the play date. Uh, this handheld is very cool. It's been in our hands for a few weeks. I know you've probably seen reviews and impressions, but our roundtable may do the best job of uh, illustrating whether this device is for you or not. Uh, I can't wait for you to hear that conversation. But first, we have to get to our top stories of the week. Norman Reedus, the star of The Walking Dead and Death Stranding, uh, accidentally revealed to, let me check my notes here, Leo Edits, that's a men's lifestyle and fashion online blog, Uh, Revealed to them that uh, Death Stranding 2 is on the way, uh, very casually. (laughs) Um, I'll read some of the quotes from you uh, directly. Uh, The interviewer said, "Okay, so you've got a book going on, the final season of The Walking Dead coming out, then the spinoff of The Walking Dead, and you're filming Death Stranding, the video game. (laughs) And Norman Reedus just says, we just started the second one. And then Leo Edit asks, how did that come about? And then uh, uh, Norman Reedus said the following. I'm going to read the the entire quote. <clears throat> Guillermo del Toro, who gave me my first movie, called me up and said, Hey, there's a guy named Hideo Kojima. He's going to call you. Just say yes. And I go, what do you mean just say yes? And he goes, stop being an asshole. Just say yes. Then I was in San Diego and Hideo came with a big group of people. He's from Tokyo. And he showed me what he was working on on, on a game called Silent Hill. I was blown away by what he was showing me. And I was like, yes, like. Let's do this. And it's not Ms. Pac Man. It's so realistic. It's so futuristic. It's so complicated and beautiful. I was completely blown away. It took maybe two or three years to finish all the mocap sessions and everything. It takes a lot of work. And then the game came out and it won all these awards and it was a huge thing. So we just started part two of that. Uh, So, yeah, uh, very casually on a uh, a Friday morning, this uh, this interview dropped and uh, Norman Reedus gave up the goods. Uh, The uh, Kojima Productions uh, Death Stranding um, and its director's cut are both available now on PC and PS5. Uh, we like those games quite a lot here at Fanbyte, uh, especially the Director's Cut, which is out on PS5 and PC. Uh, those games are also coming to the PS Plus platform very soon. Uh, in fact, let's just go ahead and segue. Death Stranding 2 on the way. That's the bottom line. But Death's raining Director's Cut and Death's Stranding are both available on the new PlayStation Plus platform uh, that launches in June. That is, of course, the revamp of the existing PlayStation Plus uh, project, which is... Uh, a decent deal. You pay a monthly fee, get some stuff, but now they're adding a lot of, uh, PS4, PS5, PS1 classics, PS3 games over streaming and, uh, yada, yada, yada. Uh, some of those games include bloodborne demon souls on PS5, the ghost of Tsushima director's cut. Those are pretty nice. There's also like Patapon, Patapon 2, there's Tekken 2, uh, Ape Escape, Jumping Flash. You can find the entire exhaustive list. Of this stuff over at vampite.com. We've got a full list there. Um, Ones I've got my eye on, some kind of uh, remasters uh, that I've actually totally forgotten about. Rogue Galaxy got one for PS4, Dark Cloud and Dark Cloud 2, Jack and Daxter, Jack 2, Jack 3. Like those are legitimate bangers. So, that's really cool. I think this collection, this new PS Plus format um, is going to be really nice for a certain kind of consumer. I mean, let's give some space to uh, you know, kind of the exact same point that folks made about the Xbox Game Pass is that folks that might be able to scrounge together enough money to get something like a next gen console a ps5 or an xbox series x may not actually have enough room in their budget for the rest of the year to buy full price $60 $70 games which is like totally understandable so xbox game pass is a really good subscription for uh for you if you have an xbox like obviously and that goes the same for pc ps5 i feel like this is not exactly a one-to-one competitor to uh, to Xbox Game Pass, but it's going to be uh, – it's perceived that way. It's going to be compared forever to that. And I do think for those specific people, like this is a pretty good deal for those folks. Like I I think if you are a PlayStation diehard, brand loyal and all those things uh, and you like these first-party titles, especially like God of War, which also comes with this, uh, this subscription, um, this is a good deal. I mean it, it is a good deal. I think – Uh, It is less of a good deal than Xbox. I think they are less all-in on Xbox, on uh, PlayStation Plus, uh, uh, um, than Microsoft is on Xbox Game Pass. Um, I think it's unclear. You know, that kind of day one and date uh, thing that Xbox Game Pass has is a really powerful marketing tool. There's less of that here with PlayStation Plus. But when this launches in June, I think this is a pretty good starting point for folks wanting to have the same kind of ecosystem with their PlayStation. So, Whatever. I still think this is a confusing deal for people like uh, me who uh, you know buy a lot of these things anyway or have a lot of these things uh, anyway, but like – and also are <laughs> frankly uh, very not shy about emulating these games elsewhere, especially these older games, right? You would expect – And if you're me, I think you expect PlayStation Classics to include a massive library of games that they've already made available on platforms like PlayStation 3. You would expect a lot of those PlayStation 1 role-playing games. You would expect a lot of um, the classics from that era, except you're you're not getting that with this. So in that way, I think this is kind of a confusing thing, but I don't hate it. Uh, a lot of people talked to me this week over on the Discord, which you can go to at fanbyte.casa, that's fanbyte.casa, and told me, hey, like, this is for me, and here's why, and they explained a lot of what I just explained to you now, and I get that. Like, I can't deny that that's powerful uh, for folks that really like these PlayStation uh, exclusives and don't have like a powerful PC that make the Xbox game Pass uh, deal even better, right? Like that's what makes that so powerful for people like me is that it also has uh, that PC compatibility which uh, uh, I I use a lot. So anyway, uh, so that's the new PlayStation Plus. It's going to launch in June. Let's talk about another thing that launches at uh, the very beginning of June, technically the end of May. Uh, it's Genshin Impact uh, Update 2.7. Genshin Impact has delayed 2.7 for a little while, which is kind of rare. They usually run like clockwork at, at uh, Hoyoverse. Uh, but they're, they've delayed this one. It was supposed to launch on May 10th. Now it's going to be on May 31st. Uh, version 2.6 will end there. There'll be a five-hour maintenance period. It'll go to 2.7, uh, 2.8 uh, launches on July 13th. Uh, as far as we know, they're still going to hit that date. Uh, but 2.7 will add a couple of new characters. Uh, not clear of how those banners will be distributed. But if you're into Genshin Impact, that new update is coming right around the corner. So that's uh, good news. Hey, uh, y'all remember Babylon's Fall? It's that game that like one person was playing on Steam a few weeks ago. Earlier this week, we checked and if there were there were ten concurrence playing on Steam. Uh that's a that's a platinum and Square Enix joint. That's wild, huh? Um, anyway, they've received obviously a ton of really, really negative feedback of this game that nobody's playing and they are going to make some changes to the way that the visuals look and also changes to the character creator, which essentially, I don't even know if you remember this either, essentially wouldn't allow you to make a a dark skinned character. The slider that would indicate that your character is turning brown to like a, a deeper black tone, um, which was broken. So everybody just looked white. Anyway, they fixed that kind of the character creator is still bad, but they've it's it's better now. Um, yeah, I, no, no real, no real indication that, like, you know, the entire loop of the game is going to change, uh, which is really, I think, the, the bigger problem. Um, I'm actually pretty shocked that they're deciding to do anything. I guess this is like a fairly low stakes change uh, that you know the very small visual tweaks have been made. Uh, the visual tweak, by the way, in question is this kind of weird filter, this kind of glossy, weird filter that they've put on the the game. They're going to basically take that away. Um, that's not a huge change. Uh, it's not a, a big, impactful change either, but it's a change they're making in the hopes that more folks will leap into the game and go, OK, this looks good, I guess. Um But yeah, I'm honestly surprised that they're working on this. This was such an obvious misfire from really the word go. Uh, I think like early trailers kind of made this look kind of interesting, but it became clear that this was not going to be a hit. And uh, wow, it is really not a hit. Anyway, um, if you want to move on to Square Enix news, that is kind of exciting. Tetsuya, Tetsuya Nomura actually says that we should be expecting some Final Fantasy VII Remake news. Pretty soon, that's really exciting. Um, we should be expecting more than just Final Fantasy remake news, uh, but also just Final Fantasy VII general news because it's the twenty-five and twenty-fifth anniversary as of September, at least in the United States. Uh, so that's very exciting. We should see something in June about Final Fantasy VII, and maybe about Final Fantasy Remake Two, maybe about some other stuff that's going on in that universe. I don't know. Uh, I just also hope that we see some Final Fantasy 16 stuff drop at some point because it's been a little while since we've seen anything from that game. Um, I'm playing through Final Fantasy 7 Remake again right now. It was my second favorite game of 2020. Uh, That game is really good. Um, I think uh, you should really go back and play it or play it for the first time if you haven't. Uh, it's just a, a really, really wonderful experience, and it's uh, – yeah, I don't know. I'm blown away in a way that that game is as good as uh, as it is because I think they really could have phoned it in. I've said this a lot, um, but yeah, it's uh, it's really good, so play it. Uh, the, what they did to Aerith, it, what, whatever the opposite of doing someone dirty is, um, they did that to Aerith. Like, Aerith gets like the biggest glow up in terms of attention paid to a character, better writing. Um, I don't know. It's really, really good so yeah, go play it. Hey, uh, remember when Bungie, uh, made their an amazing little blog post about uh, abortion rights and supporting pro choice and being very open and honest about that. Well, we also told you about Jim Ryan, PlayStation CEO who said, Hey, we should respect each other's differences and not really talk about stuff like abortion rights, especially from a studio and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and actually very much explicitly encourage people to, uh, not take any sort of stance publicly about this. Uh, um, this is interesting because the Bungie folks have basically said no, quote, muzzle will uh, be big enough to stop them from talking about things like abortion rights and, uh, and pro-choice. So – uh, very interesting We will we, that the acquisition from Sony to Bungie has not been completed yet, and of course nothing yet so far has indicated that that won't go through. Uh, but it is very interesting to see uh, an as-of-yet independent company like Bungie saying, uh, hey, this is going to work for us, and uh, we'll see how that impacts their acquisition long term. Uh, but also, we also learned this week that uh, Insomniac uh, intends to donate $50,000 to the Women Reproductive Rights Assistance Project. If that uh, company decides, if that organization decides to announce anything about that publicly, uh, no Sony or Insomniac employees are allowed to publicly dis- uh, discuss it. So um, that's very interesting. Um, Ted Price, the CEO over there at Insomniac, uh, wanted to uh, tweet about this. and and raise more awareness about pro-choice. And uh, he said, quote, we fought hard for this and we did not win. Uh, however, despite insisting on their silence, Sony does intend to match their donations, apparently. Uh, and also, uh, they will have plans to provide financial assistance to employees that might actually need to travel for reproductive care, which could uh, be- could-, could become a reality based on what happens with Roe v. Wade. Um yeah, this is uh, really interesting. We'll see how the satellite companies of Sony uh, respond to all of this. Uh, apparently, it was not popular internally at Sony when Jim Ryan sent out this very bizarre email that we discussed uh, last week. But uh, but we will see how this shakes out. It's uh, nice to see Bungie sticking behind their words, though, and uh, hopefully others will follow suit. Let's talk about game sales for a second, because uh, some interesting numbers have dropped. Grand Theft Auto Five has sold 165 million copies as of the end of Q1 2022. Uh, that's March 31st, 2022. That's how many. And it's bigger than the population of Russia. Um, Imran <laughs> compiled some interesting comparisons over on fanbite.com. You can see more of them there, but that game is amazing. And that doesn't include standalone copies of GTA online as well. So like that is just straight up copies of GTA five. That is a staggering number. Um, And another staggering number, it's not 165 million, but it's super impressive for a game at this scale. Stardew Valley, 20 million uh, units sold of this game across all platforms. That's really incredible. So uh pc is where 13 million have sold that's like by far the most but it's also out on consoles of course and uh and uh handheld devices like vita and of course mobile devices as well uh this game is still very 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 popular uh they're got a, the the creator has a new game coming out called haunted chocolatier or haunted chocolatier i haven't heard it said but in my head it's chocolatier Anyway, but it will be a while before that game comes out, uh, according to the creator uh, uh, of Stardew Valley, uh, Eric Barone. So that that's I'm I'm still very excited about that. But, yeah, you can still play Stardew. A lot of people have, uh, which is very cool news. Um, Fall Guys, I'd actually forgotten this wasn't a free to play game, but it's not. You got to pay money for it, but it is going free to play. Uh, epic of course bought those folks and that game is going to go free to play. It's coming to Xbox it's coming to switch. Um, and that's going to be uh, out on June 21st across all the platforms it's available on. So you can grab that free to play. Super, super big. No brainer. That game is a lot of fun to play with some other people. Um, I haven't picked it up in a long time. And you know why I hadn't picked it up? Because I kind of felt like the levels were getting a little stale. I was figuring, okay, I've kind of seen everything that this has to offer. I would check back in every once in a while, but I wasn't really seeing anything that would grab me. Later, at some point, it's not going to be June uh, 21st. But at a later date, you will be able to build your own levels with a custom creation tool. That's kind of been buried in the news this week, but like that is huge news. That's very, very cool. We have no idea how robust that system is going to be. But if if that takes off in any way, they pull out some of those levels, curate them, put them into the overall flow. It could be very, very cool. I have a little bit more hope for this than I do for something like Super Mario Maker 2, uh, which is like one of the most botched games of all time, if you ask me. But. Um, we'll see, like, I, I'm, I'm excited to see how creators refresh this formula. Uh, again, we don't know how robust it will be, but that's very, very cool. Uh, but yeah, you can grab that on June 21st for free. That's Xbox series, X and S Xbox one, switch PS five, uh, epic game store. That's all there, uh, free to play, uh, later in June. I want to wrap up this, uh, this top story segment talking about Stranger Things season four, now um, that, gate, that 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 series is going to cost thirty million dollars an episode, and we knew that a few weeks ago, and that raised a lot of eyebrows, especially with with me yours truly looking at all the layoffs that they've done, all the verticals that they've slashed, all the jobs that they've cut, and looked at this and gone, "Wow, thirty million an episode—that's that's a lot." We have a little bit more context for that now, and it's that the runtimes of these episodes, season four is going to be released in two volumes, volume one and volume two. Volume one comes out on May 27th. Volume two comes out on my birthday, July 1st. Uh, it's nine episodes, OK, but they are 13 hours of content. Volume one has uh, uh, six episodes, I believe, um, or something. I think it's six episodes for volume one. It's a little bit unclear, and then three episodes for volume two. But those volume one episodes are are like an hour and 15 minutes, close to an hour and a half for some of them. But volume two, we've got an hour and 38 minutes for episode seven, uh, an hour and 25 minutes for episode eight, and two and a half hours for the final episode, episode nine. These are, these are long-ass episodes of a television show clocking in at 13 hours where a traditional TV model on Netflix would have nine episodes of the show rounding out at around eight and a half to nine. This is wild, a wild amount of content. The more I hear about season four of Stranger Things, the less I want to watch it, honestly. its It seems to be a super overstuffed, bloated, way too expensive, I can already tell you it'll be overindulgent kind of mess, um, and maybe they can bring it together, but 13 hours of content in this universe is a lot, and cramming it into nine episodes feels uh, really indulgent but we will see how it goes. If you want to see the first eight minutes of the premiere of that show, it's over on Netflix's YouTube channel. It's fine. It's fine. I watched it. It's fine. But it kind of made me sad thinking this is eight minutes into 13 hours of content. Anyway, um, (laughs) That's stranger Things season four. I'm sorry. I I wish I was more excited about this. If you're super excited about it, if you're a big stranger heads fan, uh, stranger, stranger things head, um, you're going to love this. I think it's 13 hours. It's like really, really chock a block with content, but that's scary to me. Big red flag, but that comes out on May 27th. So that is this week. So by the end of this week, you will be able to see volume one of this show. Um, I'll probably correct the record if I was wrong about that that episode split. But I do think it is uh, – Volume 1 is six episodes. Volume 2 is three. But I will – I'll make a note if that's not true. Uh, all right. That's it for this this week's top stories. I want to quickly throw it to uh, a word about another podcast on our network just for a moment. And then we'll be back with uh, that excellent roundtable discussion about the play date. See you in a few. Hey, folks, it's your host of TFTK, John Warren, here to tell you about another podcast here on the Fanbite Podcast Network. It's called Friends Reunion. It's a show that I'm on every single week with my co-hosts Nikki Grayson and LB Hunk Tears. And we tell you about stuff that we see on the internet. We describe JPEGs. We figure out how the songs Losing My Religion and Robin's Dancing On My Own are connected. We talk about birds with bird experts. It is a a really funny show. I'm not ashamed to say it. It's a comedy podcast. Okay, I'm a little ashamed to say it's a comedy podcast, but it's actually a good one. A review once left for us said, "It's like a McElroy Brothers show, except they don't pretend to love you," and that was maybe the highest compliment I've ever received. Friends Reunion uh, airs every single Friday, uh, wherever you get your podcast, and I highly recommend you check it out. Uh, my friends and I would greatly appreciate it. <laughs> deck is not the only handheld setting the world on fire right now we also have the play date which is roughly i'm gonna say one twentieth of the size of the steam deck <laughs> um and that might that might be understating it actually um now that the playdate has been in the wild for a couple weeks and uh and, and some folks here fanbite have gotten their hands on it i want to have a little round table my guests today or my very own producer paul tamayo hello Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. And a featured contributor, Funky Joseph. Yo, yo, yo. Hey. So y'all have gotten to play around with this. this, this full disclosure to start. I unboxed my play date today. I was telling Paul about this. Um, and <laughs> um, this has been in my mailbox for like, um, I don't know, about a week. But Why? like, wh- Here's the right? – Okay, listen. <laughs> you listen, got listen, it. What's listen, going on? Listen. Listen. We got real COVID hours here over at Shea Warren. We're not really leaving the house at all. Mm. I know it's just a mailbox, but we feel real weird. And But here's the thing that really scared me, though. We had several days in a row of like 95-degree heat and then mm. also like a torrential thunderstorm. Now, the thing that Paul <laughs> said that made me feel good is that this thing was packaged very well, and it was. It was like yeah. double-sealed super 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 tight and like yeah no weather was getting into this box so that was good but i was worried about the heat fortunately this thing is turned on and is behaving perfectly for me but i've not gotten a chance to play these games check out the back end i really want the download from y'all um how long have y'all had yours and um and you know what have you what have you played so far on it
1: yeah i forget when i got mine but it's it's, i want to say it's been maybe two or three weeks at this point
0: Okay. Uh Funke, how how long have you had yours? Uh like 4 days. Uh it shipped okay. to my
2: parents' house by accident. Oh, so boo. I I know. I I visited them and I just like picked it up like a couple days ago. Awesome. And it's been fun. Yeah. It's been really, really really fun. I mean like the first thing that I
0: I love about it is the the size. It's a yeah, perfect Yeah, let's talk little about square. the size. It is yeah. like when when reviews started rolling out for this thing everyone was like this thing is really small. It is very small. Like it is a very small device.
2: Yeah, it's if it's he, like half of an iPhone. I
0: uh, yes, it is. It is basically like, put it. it like, is, yeah,
2: put it on your phone. It's
0: half. It, it an Apple. I an iPhone eleven. It is basically exactly half the size. You're right.
2: On the flight back, I had my phone and my play date in my like chest pocket. And I was just like switching between them while I was like bored on the fa- on the on the plane it was perfect it was so convenient it's great <laughs>
1: like, it's great yeah the, I mean the minute I saw it I was like I need this thing in my life yeah. immediately and I was like I jumped on the pre-order and yeah it, it's like like Funke said I had I bought the uh the little cute um ice cream sandwich case along with oh, it oh yeah nice. and it's so it's like adorable like in that I, I also just think like yellow and purple is just like a perfect combination color combination mm-hmm. um but yeah it fits in my like usually any shacket that i'm wearing if it fits in the <laughs> chest pocket or if it's in a bag that or or just like my regular pockets i'll just throw it in there and, and kind of forget about it and like it has it has uh introduced me to a to a a world that i that i've honestly been asking for for a while now mm. that, that i i just continue to fall in love with and i can't wait to see like what they cook up for this thing. Yeah. Cause like uh, the stuff that I've already seen, I'm like sold. Mm.
2: Yeah. It merges like the things I love so much about games. Like, first of all, like the, the retro style, it reminds me of like, Putting it in the light and being in the islands with my family and playing like Pokemon Red on my Game Boy <laughs> yeah. and yeah. just being like like shivering under under the light and just trying to like get a little shine so I could see what I was doing. This backlight is like way better than the Game Boy, um, but it still like is reminiscent of that in a way that I love. And also, the Playdate releases games in like seasons. Yeah. Um. So every I think it's every week it's two games you get. Um. So right now I have Whitewater uh, Wipeout, Casual Birder, Crankin's Time Travel Adventure, and Boogie Loops. And I love serialized stuff in games. Like, Life is Strange 1, goaded. Like, just the release of that, having a game (laughs) drop, like, in segments like that, like it's a TV show, is the best. Like, I I love that anticipation, that waiting, that surprise being like, oh, what am I going to get today? And Playdate definitely delivers that already.
1: It is interesting that you mentioned a backlight though, because this like famously doesn't have one. I think part of the design is it has like a reflective touch to the screen that when it's in light or when it catches any little bit of light, it sort of enhances the image because it's, yeah, yeah, because it's, 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 there's no color to it. And, and, uh, it's it's cool you mentioned the the Game Boy as well because like that's one of the things I love most about this. It it really reminds me of uh, way back when, uh, way before your time, Funke. Maybe maybe I don't know. Maybe maybe not. I used to love these old like Tiger Electronic uh, game sure. handhelds that would come out for every Disney property and Marvel property uh, possible, and even things like the Tamagotchi and stuff. It's it's uh, it's very reminiscent of that. And and it, what's cool yeah. is that it it makes sense because. Uh, teenage Engineering, who who are the folks that are responsible for the cr- for the crank, uh, for the crime or of the, the crank, crime of the crank, and, <laughs> it's a beautiful crime, and, yeah, and and, the, and the, just the overall beautiful design of the device itself. It, it's a very you know they're a Swedish company. It's a very Swedish looking device, and uh, I, I don't know if like um, Funke, you might know about this, but the OP one is a really really cool. Yep. I have um, the
2: Speak. I have the their like little uh, teenage engineering synthesizer. Where, like, the pocket operated... Oh, I have that, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where you can, like, sample things, sounds from around the... Like, just wherever you're walking and make it music.
0: Yeah. So you could take take Foley from what's around you and make music out of it? Yeah. And, like, make it a button. Like, there's,
2: like... 20 buttons or something on that and like each button yeah. can be a sound and you can like augment the sound to make it higher or faster or lower and just make a song out of it on the fly. It's so sick.
1: Yeah mm-hmm. I don't have that one but because the, they have a bunch of them. They even yes. have like Street Fighter and Mega Man ones but the, the one that I have is like it's similar but I can it's like a sequencer so I can just kind of mess around with like the different pitches and tones and sound effects and actual like beats and rhythms and it's like it's it looks like a little circuit board that it's it's very like bare bones with really interesting clicky buttons. And, mm-hmm. and like knobs here and there and a really uh, very Game & Watch uh, inspired display and, and it's for good reason because one of the founders, uh, Jesper Kouth I'm sorry, I'm going to say this wrong, Kouth says the uh, pocket operator actually took a lot of inspiration from the Game & Watch so like nice. Ooh. The, the, the roots of this thing is, it, you know, are embedded in like the, those earlier plasticky, clicky you know, gadgets that you would just kind of mess around with. These toys, yeah, and that's kind of what this is. I, that, I think that's why I'm so fascinated by it, and it satisfies a very particular want of mine that I have. That like the Steam Deck will never uh, give me, mm. and a Switch will never give me, my phone will never give me, right? And um, yeah, I, I'm just I'm I'm absolutely in love with it. I, I the, you know, I think the forced limitation of the design with the two buttons and a crank and a D-pad, I think really uh has already shown that like you know when you when you force those limitations onto creatives like the the things that they can produce because of those limitations is is really impressive. H- have y'all had I mean Funke, have you had a chance to sideload any games onto your playdate?
2: Yes. Um I originally got the first two um what's it called? The White Water Wipeout and Casual birder um which are both pretty fun. Um but I really enjoyed the one that I got like yesterday, Crankin's Time Travel Adventure. Have you played that?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. But but I meant like the ones outside of the ones that they, yeah, that they send to funny. you Did you know that you can go to itch.io and
0: download uh, Playdate games?
2: No.
1: Yeah. Well, let me tell you about the games I have been obsessed with <laughs> Let me hear. Um, yeah. So so there's a few of them. So, sorry John if I'm jumping No, out no, no. Here. It's
0: okay. I, let's let's get into this cuz I've got itch.io uh playdate games open right now and we can read Yo, off a list here if we want to. So yeah.
1: Anybody listening who also is just finding out about this do the same. Yeah, it's it's there's legit. There's a ton of shit
0: out there. already. It's pretty wild. Yeah.
1: Because yeah, because I think the what is it called like the SDK it ha- has been out for yeah, for, a for a long a time now. yeah I love so, this and um, you can
2: buy it from like smaller creators
1: Yep. yeah Yeah, so i've I've like i've been treating it the same way i treat like Bandcamp. i've been like finding things that i really like and i'm like yeah you know what i'm gonna give you like double what you're asking for because this shit is cool and i want to support and like i'll even like you know depending on you know how how generous i'm feeling and how zooted i I potentially am um i'll go ahead and just like just throw money at these developers because i'm like yeah this is cool i want to encourage this it's one of those things where like the same way i am with like Mini disc on Bandcamp. If if I see you have like a mini disc printing of, of an album, I'm gonna buy it and give you more than what you're asking mm-hmm. for because it's like I want to support it. Um, hashtag save the manuals. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, so there's one called Super Corporate Tax Evader, which I fucking love. <laughs> it's <laughs> so it's it's basically. Uh, a warrior wear minigame where you're using the crank to shred evidence while a lawyer, I think, or someone is like, I think they're like um, auditing you. So they're uh, you have to do it quietly in this in this kind of closet office that you're stuck in, and you hear the and you can like sort of read what the lawyer is saying right outside the door, and you have to like put it away right before they come into the door and catch you, and they're like, yeah. "What are you doing in here?" And you're like, "Nothing." It's great. <laughs> um, there's a game called Bloom, which is basically like a Stardew Valley, like a light Stardew Valley, where you're you kind of it's like a, a visual novel of sorts. You're sort of talking to folks through text and you get to select what you're what you're doing, but also what you're saying, rather. But you're also like planting flowers and shit on the roof and kind of, you know, maintaining those and selling those. It's wonderful. Um, there's a, there's one called A Joke That's Worth 99 Cents. Mm-hmm. Um it's really great. It's literally just like one mechanic where you're, it's like a, a visual representation of the crank and the play itself. And they're sort of telling you this long joke. And while you're doing it, you have to use the crank to keep these characters that keep falling with bouncy butts. <laughs> and you have to sort of like just juggle them. It's wonderful. Yes, uh, I I told you about Yoshimi Yahtzee, which is basically just Yahtzee. It's great. Um, there's Bomber Panda, which is Bomberman. It's just like, you know, with a panda. On top of that, the stuff that I'm seeing in the works for uh, Play Day, even coming from, I think, Panic or at least in collaboration with Panic itself, uh, makes me excited about what the future holds for a device like this. Yeah. Like, there, I don't know if y'all have heard of poolsuite.net. No, what's but, that? Um, so, poolsuite.net, it's got some like corny NFT uh, tentacles attached to it, but. If you, I think you can sort of sidestep that if you wanted to, but poolsuite.net is essentially just like a really cool website that lets you use this fake 80s-inspired like Mac OS or 90s-inspired Mac OS. And um, it's very like, you know, Vaporwave-ish. There's different radio stations you I'm can listen listening. to that have like City Pop and different kind of electronic songs. And you can like, there's a video window you can open that just plays, you know, b-roll of shit from like the 80s and stuff. It's very, very much like some vaporwave shit, but it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool idea. And apparently they're working on an app for the play date that lets you just like listen to the to the radio stations and it makes sense for that kind of display, like that really low res display. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um even on Ish.io, you can see folks who are making like, there's a planner that somebody made, yep. which I like completely blows my mind because I don't know why you would ever want to use a planner just as a planner, but it's also one of those things that's kind of core like, to the, why not, the mission statement. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. why not? You know, it's like, who am I to judge? Yeah, you know? They're like Wait. fancy, fancy clocks too, you know, and things mm-hmm. like that. Oh my gosh.
2: So. The, there's Bird and Beans. that Like a DSI game I used to play all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> they remade it for the play date. This is nice. too sick.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean and I think I think too I, I don't I don't know who to blame for this, but like I feel like Funke's reaction to this is like the common reaction, right? Because yeah. I really didn't know how I knew the SDK had been out for a while. I knew that making your own stuff, which we can talk about in a second. Making your own stuff was like kind of a, a feature of this thing, being able to, to develop for it relatively easily. They even give you some tools to help with that, which you can also talk about. But like How many games that are in itch.io right now, like this is just weeks after the release of the play date, um, really encourages me because that, you know, like we said, there are two games that come out each week, 24 games in a season. Very unclear what happens after season one, right? Like, are they doing a season two? And is that on a separate device or is it going to be on this one? Very unclear, right? But the fact that there are all these apps and games you can sideload relatively easily, that's huge. Like that, that like is a really big deal. And I think not enough people are talking about that aspect of it in the past few weeks.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think the, the ease of which, you can sideload games onto the device is key for me yeah. because Can you talk about that I process had, a little?
2: I cuz I don't really know how to do that.
1: Yeah, so I I uh, initially like hooked it up to my PC thinking I would have to do it that way, but you don't. Like uh, you you basically uh, log into the Playdate your your Playdate account and there's a tab where you can basically whatever games you've downloaded even if they're I think they're in if if they're already zipped, you can just drag them in to um, to the window and it'll unpack it and have it up in the cloud. And then you go to your play date and much like you do whenever there are new games for like the play date through panic, you just go to your settings, go to the games, you refresh the list and it should be in there, like in your queue to download and you just download that way. So it's like, it's, it's easier than other things that I, that I do with my phone that, that's, you know, have all this kind of tape around it that prevent you from, from you know, utilizing these devices you have as tools. And I think that's one of the things I love most about it so far is that it can kind of mold itself to whatever I want. And usually from gadgets like this, that's key for me because yeah, it opens up so many possibilities that excite me even to the point where I'm like, I think I might want to make something for this. And that is like, that's wild. Like I, I only ever experienced that through things like Dreams or like Mario Maker and things where it's kind of very locked down and um, but the idea and the playfulness behind this gadget and, and the uh, the ways in which it's it's forcing folks to be creative with their ideas is, has gotten me a little interested, which is really wild. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I, I, I love that, too, because one of the games that was recently uh, released on the season one is Boogie Loops by Melee Ko yeah. and Andy Matushak. And it's just basically a, a daw like you can just make music in there mm-hmm. um, yeah. and like a slice of pizza a panda a bunny will dance to it and you can choose what dances they do like if they want to floss or something um, it's really fascinating my only issue with the rollout so far has been there's not really any description like it when you get it on the on yeah. the console like itself there's no instructions of how to do like anything what the game actually is and that's really fun for games like um time travel adventure but for boogie loops i was like i kind of do want uh i kind of do want like a like a a guide of how to use this properly um Um, because it, it does get a bit like it's a whole system and i would love to know how each of these things work and that's available i think on the internet but i would like that just on the console itself i think that would be pretty useful
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So in terms of like making stuff for Playdate, Playdate basically allows you to do two different things. You can use the SDK, which is a, uh, you know, kind of a, a full suite you need a lua and c api you need a simulator for local dev uh you, you know it involves profiling and you and, and, and uh uh advanced kind of simulation and emulation and and things like that so if you're an experienced developer you can do that but it also comes with pulp which is a web-based game editor For Playdate, so you can basically go in there. It's really simple. It's like grid-based placement, uh, simple scripting. You can make your own chiptune tune music. Um, you know, the pixel art is basically there. You can also create some p- pixel art, I believe, uh, through pulp. So, like, there are two different ways. If you've never made a game but you want to play around with it, there is this cool app called pulp, which you can try. If you are experienced, you can use the SDK and do you know wilder shit. Like that, the uh the shredding game, that's absolutely made with an SDK. Like that, that was mm. a full fledged. There was kind of this like first person perspective thing. and it's like pretty advanced but there are games i'm seeing on itch.io that look like they were built in pulp so like it is a legitimate way to get into this i think it's so cool and they they have all this history with MazeGate making music um the the hardware devs and and they've put some of that magic into uh this web-based editor which i think is really cool so i don't know i think that's a really neat aspect to this thing
1: yeah for sure and i mean like even just the the act of using it like it it's so interesting to yeah. me like it's silly and it kind of makes you laugh in, in really cool mm-hmm. ways and it's it's so charming and and uh, even the what funke was talking about with the screen like there are moments where it it feels like an old you know device that you would have maybe played with in the 90s but it still feels magical because of that like refresh rate and the little the speaker is actually pretty surprisingly like good and it connects to wi-fi Um, (laughs) and it connects to wi-fi (laughs) it it has like the you know a little bit of the modern trappings that you would come to expect from a device like this but for me it it even with just looking at it right now like sitting sitting on my desk like i just want to pick it up it has this sort of like quality to it that That is so pretty to look at in in the way that I feel about, you know, some of my favorite gadgets, some of my favorite things like, you know, most recently, I think about the switch and how how colorful and vibrant it was and how I wish more folks would take take risks like this um, when it comes to how loud it can be and how playful it can it can feel and and sound and um, yeah. Yeah. I feel like
2: Nintendo's moved away from that. Like, I yeah, remember 3DS and DSi, they were like, okay, you can break the console, make whatever for it. You'll have themes like for different games or just yeah. different things you like or different colors. Whereas Switch is just like, nope, black and white. Everyone else is doing that. Why don't we do that? Um, yeah. yeah. Like, which is, it's, it's nice to see the Playdate like be so expressive and be like, hey, we're shining yellow and like we have a right. giant crank. We're, we are silly and we
0: like that. Yeah, I mean, Paul mentioned Paul mentioned the the game and watch comparison earlier, and it's like the Playdate kind of looks like an evolution of like the Game Boy Advance SP or something. Like it's something that Mm. like if Nintendo had gone down a very specific path of let's make a Game Boy Advance SP that is uh, literally half the size but still kind of vibrant in color, I I wouldn't you know I would believe it. I'd be I believe that this was a Nintendo joint from. Like the mm-hmm. early 2000s, but yeah. they've gone away from that, and they've, you know, they've they've left a hole in the market where folks like the playdate folks can be like, well, if y'all won't do it,
1: <laughs> yeah, we will. Yeah, like I remember my my bright teal Game Boy color, and I remember seeing kids play with that little like Pikachu, that little yellow Pikachu device, yeah. and like, it, it, you know, there there were there was a playfulness. I mentioned the Tamagotchi earlier, but like there is a um that space in my pocket and in my heart for a device like this because I think with things like the switch and mobile phones and, and the steam deck especially, I feel like um, I feel like at times those devices really don't speak to me because I that's like the last thing I want when I'm on the go is like basically a shrunken down version of something that I would much rather prefer on a bigger screen mm-hmm. um, like on my couch even. I understand like different use case scenarios for different people but like for me um when I'm thinking about games especially on mobile devices like like a cell phone for or smartphone for example um those that's like the last place I want to play a game because those devices I've, I've talked about this before I actually talked about this on DLC recently but like the a touchscreen for me it's like smartphones to me I, I i put up with them i guess like they're they're fine they kind of have to be what they are because they're just these blobs that that exist in your hand that transform into whatever you need but touchscreen to me still is is like i you know it's fine but it's not my preferred method of of an input when it when it, especially when it comes to games and the games that exist on those platforms are constantly screaming at you to buy more tokens or whatever it's the twisted. fuck it's
2: i got Tetris it's on really my iPhone up. and it's like, free, it's a free game. You can download it. And there's just 20 to 40 seconds of ads that play between oh. each run. Yeah. For some like random shitty puzzle game that like, <laughs> yeah, you would never that I would just scroll past on, on my computer. Like, I, yeah. And it makes you look at that stuff.
1: And, and even when, even before, when I was like, before I was introduced to the Ambernick actually on a conversation on TFTK with, with uh, you, John and Merritt, um, I was like using a little controller attachment on my phone to like play Advance Wars and shit like that. But like, even then, like having your phone on you, you can put it on Do Not Disturb or whatever. But the temptation, or the if you don't put it on Do Not Disturb, the interruptions that you, that your phone constantly yeah. have with text messages, yeah, and Slack nice. messages, emails, yep. it's just constantly trying to move you away and do something yep. else. And and it, it's something really beautiful about like Funke was saying earlier, just kind of throwing this in your shirt pocket. And walking out the door and then, you know, when I'm on the train, I'll just play a couple rounds of, um, you know, Pick Pack Pup, which is a great game that that's right. on the play date. And, you know, oh, it's my stop. All right, cool. I like flip it over, you know, put it back in the case, throw it in my pocket, forget about it. Like, it's a really cool little toy yeah, yeah. That, that can serve so many purposes. I have a question about the rollout because I
2: got mm. mine pretty recently. Yeah. And is it staggered like whenever you open it and like register it, you'll get two games and then the next week you get two games? And then the next week, or is it like on a set schedule aside from you, like uh, Paul, how many games do you have right now from the, the 24 of season one?
1: I think, I think it's probably, um, dependent on when you get it because I have, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, I have eight games from season one so far.
2: Okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, I guess I'm getting two each week then that's really cool that it's Mm -hmm. like based on you. Uh, when, when you have activated, I guess.
0: Yeah. Which is odd.
2: It is a but little odd. I like that too. So that like, you still are experiencing that, like, oh, surprise. Like, what am I getting?
0: Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, there, I mean, okay. Yeah. I'll give them definite credit for sticking to the kind of keeping it serialized. The, the Yeah. For, I mean, the they've, they've got these limitations that they put on this device, which I think are to mostly to its benefit and that is one of them right like it is a limitation of yeah even if you get this in six months you're not going to have access to all the games you, you're going to experience the rollout they want you to like play the games that are in this rollout get a sense of them like really spend time with them I think that's really nice I don't think that's tenable I think they'll probably change that at some point Um, mm. just because I think this rollout has been very protracted and I think it's going to continue to be protracted Um it's a small team like I'm not that's not really criticism. It's just saying, you know, I mean, even Valve had issues getting Steam Deck out the door and they still are having issues with that. So it's mm-hmm. it's not an issue that's you know only with these with these small groups. But, yeah, I wonder if they'll change that, because I do think that the longer this goes, that's going to be kind of an odd feature. Right. Um, I could see that,
2: like some friends playing a game that you don't even have access to. That's a little be, frustrating. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 I think that's going to be a little frustrating. But I mean, I guess you can always just sideload the stuff that's out there, you know? Yeah. So. I mean,
2: y'all told me about this thing, and I'm sorry, John. I don't know if I'm going to be getting work done today. Like, yeah, I know, right? So I <laughs> mean, it's a
0: big list of stuff. Like, I mean, I'm in the same boat. Like, I just unboxed this thing, and I'm looking at this list, like, okay, what am I going to put on this thing? So
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's very exciting.
1: There, there is something really cool, though, about, I mean, to speaking on that sideloading uh, stuff, like, there is something really interesting about, these communities of, of like actual gen, genuine organic excitement around a device like this that obviously apples and oranges, but I, I didn't feel really as much as when I got like my next gen consoles, right? Like when I got my Series X and PS5, I was like, oh, cool. You know, these obviously look way better and there are some minor Upgrades, at least in my opinion, like you know, the the haptic feedback and things that, that are there with the dual sense, like there are some interesting things being done there. But here it feels like there there is a genuine organic excitement around wanting to mess around with that, those limited inputs. Yes. And I keep talking about mini-disc, but like there is a small community out there of people who like print and make mixes and, and I, like myself included who like utilized the mini disc for reasons that, you know, maybe the original developers and creators didn't quite envision, you know, like um, so I'm excited about that too. I'm excited to see how this evolves. I'm excited to see, I'm, I'm hoping that this is a, a successful platform that can spawn, iterations on this design or maybe even like attachments we've, we've seen the speaker we've seen like what the speaker is going to look oh, yeah. like with a little very cool. funky pen holder which i cannot wait yeah. for mm-hmm. um so I, i'm curious i'm curious to see like what ways that little usb port will be used if at all or like you know because we talked about earlier with the with game boy and stuff like that had these weird frankenstein things you could attach to it that would you know mm-hmm. magnify the screen and a little worm light that would stick out from the side and um it it just makes it that that modular, that potential for like that modular design is, is so fascinating to me outside of just the software side. Um, but there's a lot of potential for this little toy that I think yeah. a lot of folks are sleeping on. I, yeah. I really like that comparison
2: to next-gen consoles, um, which I mean, every piece I write about a PS5 game or the PS5, I there's always a sentence in there that I'm like, this console doesn't really need to exist. Like I could have played <laughs> this on a PlayStation 4 and I yeah. will like continuously do that until there's a game that like utilizes it to its most capabilities and wouldn't be able to be played on a PlayStation 4. I genuinely don't think the PlayStation 5 should exist. Like straight up I, I have it for work. That's it really like I would be so comfortable with a PlayStation 4. Yeah. Um but the play date f- fills this this gap that John was talking about like the the, the gap of like joyful upbeat just silly gameplay that like anyone can can like tap into and and develop for like the tools are up there as we see and there's so many just small games out there it it, it really makes me excited in a way that like i haven't been excited for a console in a while like i think since the switch which is like 2017
1: yeah um, yeah same same because the, the switch made you like realize what was possible yes. yeah. and in terms of like you know, outside of the marketing, uh, in, you know, oh, I'm at a party. I'm going to break out the Switch <laughs> and uh, we're going to play Mario Party or whatever. Are you saying you um, don't do that? Outside, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've actually, you know what's funny? I actually have done that. We went to a party once with a bunch of friends and we were just all kind of sitting around. We were like, yo, you want to play Mario Kart? And we just played Mario Kart, like five of us. It was yeah. great. Nice. Um, but yeah, no, like the you're right, Funke. Like I remember the excitement in my mind around the switch and and like the the sort of like retraining of my brain. I talked about how like, you know, I'd much rather have I'd much rather play these experiences um on a TV, which I which I did. I, I, I think I played through most of Zelda on my TV, but I but I would play on my way home from work on the train. And but that idea that I could just pick up right where I left off was something that my brain had to get used to. It was like a new novel thing that was was exciting and the potential for it I feel like still hasn't really been in my opinion, explored enough yeah. because I think you know usually when you when you when you set when you try to like satisfy a lot of different wants and needs by sort of making this uh, Swiss Army knife of a thing that has to sort of you know uh, appeal to the to the you know quote unquote hardcore gamer with games like Doom and all these other things, but then also like these wacky experiences like. I think about clubhouse games, even or, sure, or ring fit. Right. Like th- there, there is a bit of a watering down that happens, like amongst all of those things, that is a little unfortunate because you know it's it's the whole like it can do all those things okay, but it, it can't do any one particular thing really great. And I think the play date is an interesting use case because we it could do like a, a small set of things, in my opinion, really really well and in a really neat fun. Um, justifiable way like it, it justifies its existence by being so small and like easy to to play with and and fun to use yeah. mm-hmm. um that i i'm way more excited about this than i than i was about the switch when it came out which is wild considering that like this is just a little bleep bloop device right. that <laughs> yeah play that lets me play yahtzee and then also like 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 um casual birder it, it like blew my mind like with the how fact much that, depth
2: there is there
1: yeah like yeah, i mean a, you know a big it's game. a game yeah it's a big game yeah. so I'm excited to see what folks cook up too like down the road like what kind of cool visual novels are we going to get what kind of cool RPGs are we going to get what kind of cool like you know e- even just like again radio station give, give me things. an give me an F1 you know. one game Oh, I, look, I don't want to put this out there, but I may be working <laughs> on
0: something. <laughs> all right,
1: let's go. Yes. Yeah, also
2: yeah, on yeah. Uh, Casual Birder, I was so, I didn't even know, but the the music producer for that is one of my favorite producers from like SoundCloud back in 2016, Maxo. Oh, um, and nice. I was like hearing the sound, I was like, oh shit, like this is fire. Um, just, I'm so happy that they're getting all these creators together to make new experiences for this like weird little crank thing
0: yeah yeah it's 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 awesome. I mean, it is a cool little device um, I can't wait to kind of dive in especially with some of the side loading stuff that's really exciting um i yeah i I don't know what to you know, it's like I, I, not that not that I think that not that I'm wishing for the big console manufacturers to necessarily try to step in here, but th- something like the playdate does make me think like God, what if what if Nintendo did open up their ecosystem just a little bit? Like what if that what if they did make it easy to make games for this as a hobbyist and sideload something? Like what if they yeah. did do those things? Like and what
2: if they stopped trying to compete with PlayStation and Xbox like so directly? Right. And like yeah. went in a different direction. Yeah. Um,
0: it, it, yeah. It, it kind of begs that. And Playdate kind of says, okay, well, yeah, what if what if something, what if what if a company that used to have Uh, a sense of whimsy and playfulness with its devices did something like this. And it does seem to be more of a continuation of the game boy model than Nintendo even did, which I think is very cool. Um, and I'm definitely interested in checking this out. And, uh, yeah, I think early, early impressions from some folks I knew who got it like really early were not super optimistic, but like you two have both been so, uh, uh, optimistic about it that i'm like okay i gotta i gotta really give this a try
1: it also for me at least uh it's it's genius because these are games that i usually would probably tinker with on my pc for you know i'll be honest maybe 10 20 sure. minutes and then forget about forever because again that the idea of sitting at my desk or even like if i was playing it on a, on a switch or something like the form factor like it justifies itself mm, like it, mm-hmm. it justifies the the you know it, it makes it it makes an experience like that these small bite-sized little tinkering fidget style games. It makes them shine yeah. on a device like this because the screen is 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 beautiful in my opinion and it's small enough and bite-sized that it feels right on that kind of device and and it, it makes me want to stay there for for longer as opposed mm-hmm. to like being at my desk again where there's a million other things I would much rather be doing. Or uh, games I'd rather be playing on a bigger screen. Um, and in, in this case, it's just like, again, again, it just makes a better case for itself and its unique qualities than a lot of the consoles that are coming out that, you know, cost you an arm and leg to buy. Like, I, I've i become such a fan of this device. Uh, I've been telling everybody I know about it who, who you know. Uh, would be interested in something like this. Like I, I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, my friend Monsi, who like, I showed him this immediately. Like I sent him a photo and he was like, what is this? He had never even heard of it. <laughs> yeah. But um, he has experience in, in that in that background, in that world of like, you know, uh, engineering and, and electronics and stuff. And uh, I was like, this is right up your alley. And I would love, I was also low key showing him in the hopes that like, please make something for this because I want to see what your weird brain comes up <laughs> yeah. with. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it it's very cool uh,
0: for all the reasons we just talked about. Uh, if you are a lapsed Tiger handheld electronics or old Game Boy <laughs> player, uh, you definitely owe it to yourself to check this out. I think I think you're right. I think like very connected uh, games people know about the play date. I do not think a layperson who might have fallen off of games but would actually yeah. love this they probably don't know about it. Yeah, so. Yeah. So tell tell your local lapsed gamer about the play date because like I genuinely bet that they would jump out the opportunity to get another chance with a uh old school Game Boy experience again. Um
1: with yeah. a lot of bells and whistles. fans of peripherals Yeah.
0: will be very pleased. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Uh well, Paul Funke, thank you both for this illuminating round table about the play date. Um Thank yeah, you, you can go, for having us. You can go uh you can go grab one of those bad boys now. It's technically a pre-order, I think they're saying. Because, yeah, the next uh, ones are
2: coming in 2023.
0: Yeah, so you won't be able to get one for a while. Womp womp. But if you've already gotten one and you uh you just haven't received it yet, um I guess get excited because uh yeah, we we like this thing quite a bit over here at fanfight.com. Uh thanks again. Yeah, thanks. Bye. Okay, we already talked about uh, Stranger Things Season 4 coming out at the end of this week. Let's talk about games. Let's talk about some games that are coming out because there are some very good ones that I think you should check out. Let's start with May twenty fourth. We've got Hard Space Shipbreaker coming to PC. It is also on Xbox Game Pass as of that date, so you should definitely check that out. It is a very, very cool. Played played it a bit. Very cool game where you're basically doing uh, in space salvaging. You're you're basically cutting up pieces of a ship and repairing stuff and. Doing all sorts of really rad stuff. I think it's a really cool game. Um, And it's kind of chill. Kind of get into your groove. I'm not saying you, you shut your brain off, but you do kind of go into a zone. Or at least I did when I played it. Um, I think it's really good. So check it out. Uh, on uh, May 25th, we have Ninokuni Crossworlds, which is coming to PC, iOS, and Android. It is a new uh, Net Marble MMO coming to those platforms in the Ninokuni universe. If you liked uh, the first and second games, uh, which I did, there might be something for you to like in Crossworlds. So we will definitely be checking this one out. Uh, may have some guides and things like that. Uh, Roller Champions is coming to PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Nintendo Switch and PC on May 25th, which is exciting for uh, Rollerheads. It's kind of a Ubisoft original game uh, coming to um, coming to those platforms. Looks like a fun, like extreme sports roller roller game. So check that out. Uh, sniper Elite 5 is coming to shoot your testicles off on uh, May 26th. That's PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, and PC. That's also on Xbox Game Pass. Uh, and if you don't know what I mean by shooting your testicles off, this is a sniper game where when you get a hit, uh, it goes to this cool Mortal Kombat 11-style x-ray where it shows kind of the bullet passing through the body and destroying things like your vital organs. Um, it's pretty gross, but it's uh, it's it's interesting. Uh, Cow the Kangaroo comes to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Switch and PC on May 27th. And also May 27th, rounding out this week, is Pac-Man Museum Plus. That's on PlayStation 4, Switch, PC, Xbox One and Xbox Series X and S. And it is on Game Pass uh, for that, uh, that day. So if you're into Pac-Man Museum, which they really usually do a pretty cool job with, with these games. Uh, you should check it out. Xbox game pass and all those other platforms. Um, that's really about it. Um, in terms of like new games, I know a lot of people are playing old games. I mentioned uh, I played on stream this past week, 10 minutes till dawn. That's a vampire survivors like, but it's a little more action oriented. Um I think that's a cool game that you should check out. Uh, I think there are, I mean, there are a lot of games on Xbox Game Pass this month. There's like NHL 22 and uh, Hard Space Shipbreaker, like I just said, and and a bunch of other games like uh, uh, Road to Yomi. Like it's a good month for little games that you can grab on Xbox Game Pass. So definitely check out. Uh, your local Game Pass library. Uh, I don't think anything got added this past week, um, but uh, a lot of stuff in May, and I'm assuming a lot of stuff in June, especially to compete to some extent with the new PlayStation Plus stuff. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it for this coming week. Some cool stuff to check out, especially on Xbox Game Pass. Let us know what you like over on our Discord, fanbite.casa. That is going to do it for this week's episode of TFTK. I want to thank my guests this week, Funky Joseph. Uh, if you want to find Funky online, uh, they write a ton of really good stuff for us over at fanfight.com. You can also find them at FunkyFly over on Twitter.com. And of course, a big thanks to Paul Tamayo, my excellent producer and guest on today's show. You can find Paul at Mayo. Uh, Paul uh, also produces other podcasts here on the network. Uh, I talked about Friends Reunion earlier. You can find Find all of our podcasts at fanbyte.com slash podcasts or podcastnet.work. We make a lot of awesome stuff. Uh, Paul and Jordan Mallory produce excellent work for us over here on the network, and it would be amazing if you would check it out. And if you like this show, I gotta say... The best thing you can do for me is to tell your friends about it. Just say, hey, like if you want to get a great uh, quick rundown of the news for the week and uh, hear interviews with like the best folks in the industry, listen to TFGK. It's really good. Uh, just tell your friends about it. Like obviously reviews on Apple and, uh, and Spotify and other places are hugely helpful for us. But that word of mouth is just like second to none. Like that would be an amazing thing. So tell someone that you like and that you think would like this show about it. And uh, that would probably help us out a lot. Um, you can find me uh, over on Twitter at floppy adult. You can find fanbite at fanbite Media. Uh, we have a Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash fanbite. I run a stream every Tuesday morning at 10.30 Eastern AM. Uh, that's called Tuesday Morning the Show. It's a bit of a companion to this show where we talk about the news of the week and I play a video game. This past week, uh, I played 10 uh, Minutes Till Dawn, which is a very cool video vampire survivors like, uh, which I think you should check out. Uh, All right. Until next week, you're welcome.